0: Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put internally at your disposal.
1: Well, here's my thought. I, I just want your guys' to thought. This can be the whole time or really quick, but so this weekend, the gospel Matthew's gospel is when Jesus walks on the water. Mm. And I believe that. I believe that happened. But, and I've struggled with this ever since we were in the Holy Land at the Sea of Galilee. But I can't really, like, picture it happening. Thoughts? Hmm. I've had similar struggles. Like
2: what, is, what does it actually look like to walk on water?
1: Yeah, because yeah, almost all... I mean, I've heard some beautiful homilies on it, uh, but they very often speak of it as like a metaphor for today. Of like, no, if you just trust Jesus and you you kind of keep your eyes on him, then he can call you out of the, the boat, you know, and do things that seem maybe like were seemingly impossible before. Which is true. That's beautiful. I don't want to like in any way rag on that. But I always struggle with this gospel. Not struggle. I mean I'm super intrigued by it because I believe that it happened. Like he actually walked on water. I just I don't have the imagination to to like really picture it and have it not feel like at least feel in some way like make believe. You know, it's interesting, when scenes
0: like that, when you see them represented in movies and things like that, Um, yeah, there's something that falls flat when you make it like a special effects trick, Mm -hmm. you know, no matter how realistic, I don't know. It's sort of like the resurrection accounts where there's something objectively true here obviously he's risen from the dead and that's a fact but it's like a fact in a way that's different than like i had a cup of coffee this morning something just mundane and observable and ordinary um it like stretches the mind to like a reality beyond something's something simply seeable you know what i mean because it's a kind of like the transfiguration yesterday it's something that reveals something deeper that we're it's it's impossible for our faculties or our senses to to grasp um you know what i mean so it's like more true than um than those things than the ordinary so it's not it's not simply like a camera trick um, and anything that kind of looks like that like the resurrection accounts they're weird and they're kind of uniquely tailored to each each of the people that it happens to. Mary Magdalene, Peter, um, disciples on the road to Emmaus. And there's something that they can't like quite describe. You know, like when D- Jesus disappears after they recognize him in the breaking of the bread. Like, what is that? I've tried to imagine that. You know, does he just like, poof, and there's like a little bit of Jesus dust uh, that floats to the ground danced. slowly, you know, or is it, it's something mystical, you know, um, that when you look at the Eucharist, you're looking at the same thing, you know, that that event is happening right now. And that's, that's why the, I mean, it's not just the moral sense, it's the anagogical sense too, that, you know, this is, this is Jesus calling me out of the boat. And those, in, and those interpretations make sense. And probably why we gravitate to those is because. That's just a an easier way of, of thinking about it. But yeah, like like the literal historical event of the resurrection or the walking on water or the feeding of the five thousand. What what was that? It was the feeding of the five thousand. Was he just like a wicker basket and he just kept pulling out bread? And it was like one of those scarves <laughs> coming out of his mouth that just keeps coming and coming and coming. Um ah, I think it's a good question.
1: I I'm gonna yeah. preach on cause well, and I'll just i've been mulling this over for a few days but i do always this particular gospel i always just kind of like stay there for a while um of i was actually going to talk about this weekend um it's newman's the illative sense which he talks about Mm. i think in the grammar of ascent where i mean correct me if i'm wrong on this i'm kind of using this as like a self-check here but the illative sense is where he talks about like you can use these like hunches and observations of um like beauty and truth and like things that are continually there and then you ascend to a belief or um a faith. So I think I heard it described one time of you like and I guess you could get a DNA test, but like throwing out that type of response to it. But like how do you know that your your mother is your mother? It's like, well, she's always been there. I look like her. She's loved me my whole life. And like all of these things combined allow me to ascend to the belief that, yeah, in truth, she is my, she's my mom. Um, So I guess that's kind of how I usually process these things of like, well, yeah, like all of these things have just led me to, yeah, to trust the. Um, the church the the truth of like the biblical stories and how they're in how they're written and I definitely read the miracles as like not just a a metaphor or whatever the correct term is is there um and so it's just this very interesting thing that I notice in myself to being able to honestly say no, I believe it like I, I would be lying if I said I didn't believe it. And that's kind of the only avenue that I have even to like process it on my own is that no, I'm just, I'm willing to like authentically and honestly like ascend to that belief through all of these things. But also I just struggle like, yeah, picturing it and imagining it, which is, yeah, to your point, Connor, that's, that's probably part of how it should, should be. Anyway, I don't know if that makes sense. That's just what I've been mulling over. Hmm.
2: Dang, dude, you brought your A game this morning. Well, the we have illative we're on
1: a time illative crunch, one. guys. We're on we're, a time crunch. Yeah, we got
0: to we got deep, <laughs> deep, deep. You Oh, man. Yeah, my my sense of the illative sense is that um I don't know if he he says it this way, but it's kind of like the common sense or sixth sense that integrates all of the all the other ones. Um, so you have like the data of what you've experienced, like your mom example. Um, but you, yeah, you have no way of verifying the uh, empirically, the proposition, this is my mom, you know, there's other than trusting that people are telling you the truth, which is, a. I think it's a good analogy. Even Lewis, I think he used that to say he believed in the Bible because his mom told him it was the word of god you know it's like you at some point you have to a proposition like that you have to take on trust at some point but newman's image of the of the mosaic was kind of what he how he says like you have all of these little things that you have grasped and apprehended and know with pretty certain knowledge that it's true and they all make up like this picture they're all like tiles in a mosaic and then eventually a bigger picture comes into view and you might not have every little stone in there, every little tile to make the picture complete, but you get a sense of like, oh yeah, this is what, this is what this all means. You know what I mean? Um, and I would say for me, that's, that's how reading the gospel in high school, the gospel of Luke for the first time. Um, that's the experience I had was like, I don't know, all of the answers i don't know what this all means but i have a pretty darn good sense that this is true and it was it's in a certain way an act of the will to believe um but it's also it's kind of like i believe that this bridge isn't going to collapse when i drive over it you know i can't verify that i haven't like looked at the girders and beams and whatnot but uh you just like you go through life with all of these kind of acts of trust um that this is plausible um without certain knowledge but yeah i think the miracle stories i, I had the same reaction like i believe that these i believe these things happen why why would they not have happened you know jesus is god um But yeah, how they how they felt. I mean, it, it, the other thing is that the gospels are kind of personal testimonies. These, you know, it was there's some things that publicly happened, like the feeding the five thousand or mm-hmm. the crucifixion, the, the blood and the water coming from his side. You know, th- these things you can like dozens, if not hundreds, of people saw these things. So, you know, by the time they got written down by Luke or or John, you know, like these are these are stories that people would have told and but some of them are very personal like the the walking on the water is just the 12 and then peter's experience of that is very intimate um i think about the nativity stories too like the annunciation that, that would have been mary telling telling people that story i wonder how many people she told it to how she told it you know um but i, I just yesterday i was i was i've been reading back through the spiritual exercises and just trying to do them on my own um in a kind of like yeah personal spiritual exercises just going back on some of those meditations from the retreat and um it is uh, the stretching of the imagination like the the very first one is um on sin imagining your soul all chained up and uh the imagining the first sin of the angels that immediately banished them from heaven imagining adam and eve in a state of grace choosing to sin and you know i mean those are different levels of stories obviously than the gospel which is uh, concrete historical events these are these are things that happen but in a way it, it's all imaginative how do you how do you picture the angels sinning you know but it is possible it's i find it encouraging that ignatius tells us to do that because um otherwise it's just ideas it's just propositions and not like an experience like that that means something to me you know what i mean um in fact the other day this is a question i i was thinking about after the fact Um, one of my focus missionaries was just throughout the question like why doesn't the church just have a list of teachings you know like if you're if you're having a um conversation with a protestant for example or or anybody who doesn't buy that the church has teaching authority um he's like why doesn't the church just have like a list of everything it teaches and the catechism kind of is but um like it, it was basically a question about the development of doctrine like why is it that some things are kind of apparently moldable and changeable and some things are like, no, this is what we believe. Um, What do you, what do you guys think of that question? Can you,
2: um, can you maybe unpack the question a little bit more?
0: I think, yeah, I think it was coming from a frustration where, you know, like say the script, I had a similar question or experience in college where i thought okay the bible has all these different interpretations you know like some people don't think the miracles happen they think they're all metaphorical or whatever um or the the book of genesis is a good example like the catholics believe that that literally happened that there's literally a talking snake that the world is this old etc or is it is it somewhat true are there things in it that you have to believe than other things that you think are metaphorical or um and i guess i just assumed that this is written down somewhere and by some Pope or in some council that like, no, this is what we all believe. But there's, there's a lot that, I mean, there, there's the creeds. There are the, you know, the, the canons of certain councils like Trent where like, no, this is the kind of justification Catholics believe in and not this, et cetera. But there's a lot that's left open to theological interpretation and, um, that isn't like explicitly, laid out, like, this is what this passage means in the Bible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and the Bible itself, I mean, my my thinking is, like, the Bible itself is not a list of propositions. It's a story. Well, it's many stories. Um, some of it's poetry. Some of it is metaphor. Some of it is stuff that, real history, like the Gospels. Um, some of it are letters, pastoral letters and things like that. Um, so it's not really, like... It's not really like a a list of propositions, and he he made the point. Now, sympathetic, he's like, "Well, I've heard that in the negative. Like, no, the faith is not just a list of propositions; it's a relationship to a person, et cetera." But then, what does that actually mean? You know, (laughs) because you have these conversations, and people say, "Well, I believe this," and like, no, the church says this, and you do kind of like invoke the magisterial authority of the church. But then, in these areas that aren't super clear, what what does it mean? You know. And to me, it's that the church, the church is the primary reality. The church is the body of Christ. Uh, It's, it's a relationship to the, to the God who's revealed himself in Christ. Um, And it's like, I mean, it's a one flesh relationship. We are one with him. We are Jesus in a sense. And so the church has all of these realities that, make it possible to commune with god the sacraments the scriptures tradition the you know the the guarantee that there's freedom from error and matters of faith and morals etc um and you your relationship has to be to the church first rather than some list of things the church says you know what i'm saying so there's no there's no like um independence from that reality that you know, like we do not look at all the church teaches and then say, yeah, I agree with that. So now I'm going to join. You know what I mean? It's kind of why we get baptized as infants, because you you don't, you don't first, I mean, that's a Newman thing. You have to jump into the circle before you can even start to apprehend what what the reality is that Jesus has revealed to us. Um, you get what I'm saying? So like at the beginning of the church, there's no, there's no Bible to there's no new testament to be like this is this is how you interpret romans you know there's just christians in rome that paul is writing to and they have the eucharist and baptism and the holy spirit and that's what that's what binds them to god and to christ and why this inspiration of the new testament can happen and all the rest of it uh it's only two thousand years later that we're like arguing about minutiae of like well did he really walk on water or is the Eucharist the real presence and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the very first thing is, is Pentecost, you know, does that make sense? But it doesn't really, it doesn't really answer the question that he was asking, you know, can't we just write down everything the church teaches on everything? But I mean, my point too, is there's some things that, the church can't teach on because it, you know, nuclear weapons or artificial birth control or the discovery of the Americas, you know, these are things that weren't there at the beginning, um, that affect what we think and teach. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And there's something that's, I mean, I,
2: um, I don't mean this in a condescending way, but it's just inhuman about it where it's like, that's not really what, matters is knowing all of the propositions of the faith um, like an encyclopedia that like that's not actually what you want that's not what anybody actually wants uh, it is just to know all the all the right answers because even if even if you did know all the right answers like you would keep asking questions for something more i had a really beautiful conversation with a girl at my parish who um just really open and honest and and she is doing some searching and, and doing a lot of praying and she's just totally authentically trying to seek the Lord. And we'll get together every once in a while and walk and talk and she has this ongoing list of questions. And she showed up the other day and said, You know, I just had this sense like I'm not supposed to ask any questions today. Um because there's like a couple of things that I still want to learn that I want to know. But she said, I just got the sense, like, even if I learned them, it wouldn't answer like the actual question that I'm looking for. Like it wouldn't actually satisfy me that I, I want to be f- filled. I don't want to just know all the right things. And I wonder if, if we've kind of gotten those two things a little bit mixed up. It's like, Hey, if you know everything, then you'll be good to go. Um, and yet that's Christianity as merely an idea, but it's, mm-hmm. it is, I see relationship just feels weak. It's, yeah. um, there was a word that I came across in Erasmus, even Mary his, uh, was it fire of mercy, heart of mercy, fire of mercy, heart of the word, something like that. His commentary on the
0: gospel of Matthew is embracing God mercifully.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. i bought that book and gave it away <laughs> but i'm gonna read it when the person gives it back to me i will absolutely read it um i'm consumed by hp right now but um harvey he, potter harry potter uh, old harvey. he, he was, Potter, <laughs> harvey <laughs> harvey dent
0: for some reason that became an inside joke on the fishing trip like misnaming all popular culture things like we were totally out of touch what's this harvey <laughs> potter
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're such goofballs
2: you're such a goofball so, keep going yeah. this marikakis uh yeah and he was talking about the experience that jesus has in the gospel last week um when it's the multiplication of the loaves and the fish and when there's these hordes of people; these great crowds come out to him. That he has the the great gut reaction, the splonkna, splongignomai, where his stomach yeah, where his stomach like turns over, and he has great pity and compassion for the people. That no matter how much you know about the faith, um, you can't like learn to have that gut reaction but that when you become con natural with christ then you have the same reaction as him because you are him and and there's a there's a distinction and a difference there where it's um like obviously knowledge and information is great and can take us a long way but you have to be one with Christ and then you get his heart and then you get his guts and then you get his eyes and then you're actually moving and living like, like Christ. And there's, there's a lot of similarities, but there's also some distinctions that are, that are present there. And so I I don't think if, if we just hammered out everything that's right or everything that the church teaches, I don't think it would actually satisfy. I don't think people would actually it's not what we're looking for.
0: Well, maybe this is a attempted answer because I, I like that. I mean, what is the the implicit and, question? And can, can I said? also say
2: this? Can I also yeah. say this? I don't think it respects people's freedom, mm. or 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 the church really honors people and respects their freedom massively. So they yeah. deal in principles that are universal, and then allows the intellect, the the moment that people live in. To be shaped by the principles that the church teaches, so that then they can make like on the ground, boots on the ground. No, this is WWJD, like you're the answer to that. So right. become Christ so that your guts can turn accordingly to each of the individual circumstances that are presented before you. Because the, the, the church can't lay out every instance and every detail. And really shouldn't I, re- I remember being surprised by that in our social justice class. Um, I can't even remember the technical term for the for the class, but the one that dr Barrett teaches
0: what what is
2: it? yeah, social justice, that I guess special
0: moral three or something
2: yeah, yeah. Well, it, well, <laughs> i I was shocked at how the church deals with like when I was first kind of coming to learn this, the church it doesn't tell anybody how to vote. But just informs people and asks them to learn as much as they can to have an informed conscience and to inform their freedom, then to exercise it as best as possible when it comes to elections and voting. And it's like we're we're not going to tell you what to do. We're not going to tell you what the right thing is. Um, But we're going to try to draw you close to Christ, and then and then you can make an informed decision because you're an individual like and and maybe that's where the church okay so i'll I'll finish that yeah
0: yeah i right and i think that the maybe where the question is coming from and a frustration i've known and felt is like well that feels a little wishy-washy like just tell me the answer you know who is the right person to vote for what does the church teach on this and you just kind of assume like this if this authority is from god if the pope is the vicar of christ on earth and why don't you have anything to say about this uh, are you just afraid to invoke your authority or or whatever but I, I like the approach where what is the point of any of this why did jesus come why does the church exist um it's to have an eternal uh union with god like to the point of what you said we get his guts we we are jesus and that's a mystery um that is infinite and will never get boring it's never it'll never be able to be summed up and you're like okay i got jesus now i understand him i believe in him now i get to go to heaven and whatever that means but heaven is this The kingdom of heaven is this uh eternal um journey to the heart of the mystery of existence and the love that is the foundation of all that is. Um, and it's, it's eternal and there's no, it's not just that it can't be summed up, but it's like it, that would be beside the point. Um, and so the function of the, of the magisterial authority of the church is not to say like, I mean, I guess the point is like to get to heaven is not just a matter of getting the right answer to all the questions. You know what I mean? Like, that's not the point. That's not what salvation is, is just being right about God, you know? And if you're wrong, then you go to hell. The magisterial authority is like the rules of the game. Like in theology, we always talked about like the only time that the church ever pronounces on on teachings, like in the early councils that um, Jesus is consubstantial with the father, for instance, it took 300 years to get to that. And the only reason we ever said it was because people said that he wasn't, you know, Arius said there was a time when he was not, or, you know, Jesus is subordinate to the father and the church says, Nope, like you're free up into a point as Christians. You can, you can talk about and interpret the mystery of, of the Trinity, uh, in many, many ways, but that's not one of them, you know? So it's, it's really is a via negativa, like, um, The church's magisterial authority is to keep people in the bounds of what, where the adventure and game of life can be played uh, without, without losing, you know, without losing the the point of it. Because if you, if you go down that road, the church says you will empty the mystery of its meaning, you know, you'll resolve a paradox that's meant to be held in tension. Um, You know what I'm saying? And it loses all its dynamic force the moment you, you say that. Yeah, as much as you want to
2: say it, because it kind of resolves things. Yeah. Like the, the tension of it is right where Christ is.
0: And that's where even like your initial question, like, did he walk on water? It's too hard to imagine it must not have happened. You're just like, well, then, gosh, dude, you, you apply that logic to a lot of things. And um, pretty soon all you have is stuff I've observed you know, right? And even well, and, that, you can't. Can you
1: really trust your senses? And you and even I mean? going back to, it was an intriguing answer. I asked um Baron the same thing on that retreat with him, like about that whole thing of being on the on the Sea of Galilee and not being able to imagine it. And it was like a very quick, intriguing answer that he gave. That I, st- it, you know, it's even helping me kind of unpack it now because it did it did help a lot. But he was just. He was very clear of like, well, just remember that like we are a we're a doctrinal church as well. And so how I kind of heard it, I didn't have the same words as what we're talking about today. But it, w- it was almost like, no, if if you have that starting point of what you were talking about, Metz of for lack of a better way to say it, like a relationship that. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I like that a lot of like you get his guts in in there if that's like your starting point then you see that like an experiential and personal like relationship with jesus is in no way opposed to like the the doctrines and the dogmas of of the church but rather like those are the exact things that allow us to to know him more um which i don't know even talking about now It doesn't resolve the whole experience of but I still can't imagine it and I wish I could. Uh, Maybe maybe that like last part was kind of where I was at, too. of like, man, I really wish I I could. But there's something almost like more beautiful about it because it grounds it more in reality to be able to say. No, like I but I'm also being honest to say that I believe it. Um, And it is it's weird and it's it's very paradoxical to um to be able to say that and then it's like the church in this beautiful way like helps you um helps you process that i don't know another way to say it that's so much better than like no just you have to believe this because this is this is right it like integrates your humanity in a totally different way
2: Hmm. yeah
1: yeah, and in a way I, I prefer
0: that it's uh it's a written account of somebody that wasn't there that's 2000 years old that's been handed down through many generations that didn't have uh copy machines and printing presses and so like it's it in a way I find it easier to believe than if I saw like a video online of Jesus walking on water you know if (laughs) if if this had all happened today you know the incarnation and everything all the deep fakes and the photoshop and all this it would be like harder to believe even though we have more evidence of it dang dude Mm. i hadn't thought of that you know what i mean yeah uh in a way it's like it's easier to believe and even imagine because of the distance you know what i mean i don't know why But I just just find it more compelling, you know. Yeah,
2: dude, because we want like the immediate thing that we want is to have the answer to it, or at least to be able to like imaginatively or conceptually bring that into being in a way that we can understand it. But I think like deeper down, that's a part of it is that that's an immediate want, but there's like a deeper desire there where there it's to sit in the mystery the the paradox and the puzzle and and to let God kind of rearrange you. Yeah. Instead of you arranging the gospel correctly, like I think that's the way that it's supposed to be. You just sit there and and let that story um in its reality and in its mystery like change you. And and yeah. and so instead of man, and and I guess I I think about this often when it comes to imaginative prayer. I think did I just create that? AKA am I conforming the gospel to me? And and there's something really good. I hadn't really thought about this, but there's something really good about allowing the gospel to form you. Like allowing that paradox to to start to shape you. And m- maybe there's a lot of times where we don't do that cuz you know the story's straightforward or We, you know, we've seen it in a movie. And so you just imagine it one, one direct way. And, and I wonder if that's, you know, with Barron's thing, it's like, you're, you just want to see it with your eagle eyes, but that's not what the (laughs) Lord is. You know, you can't pin him down. Like he, he is all, all of these things and what you really
1: want, yeah. No, go ahead. No, 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 that's it. No, I mean, it's just. Yeah. And I, I guess I'm just thinking back and laughing <clears throat> because like my 21 year old self in college like would have not liked that answer just because <laughs> it's like it, it takes so much nuance to say that. And I mean, we're probably butchering it in so many ways, but at least the attempt is <clears throat> to try to articulate that's not saying to turn your brain off either. Right. And just like just believe, you know, or whatever that means. <clears throat> um because it I guess I can just see where again, I would have I would have heard that in college. And this is not I I like it a lot now. But it been like you you it but it's not saying just hey, just shut your shut your brain off and and don't think about it or um does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it's not sentimental. Um, right. Which which I, I think is the, I mean, what I don't want is just some sentimental thing like, oh, the point of these stories is to make you feel good. You know, it's just like, God, it's, you know, you can believe that Jesus walked on water, which is kind of the, um, one of the modern, I think that's Schleiermacher, like the kind of sentimental vision of w- what the function of religion is versus Kant which is all about the morals, you know, like religious sentiment on one side and morality on the other. One of which is like super subjective. One is just like the pure objective, like Thomas Jefferson striking out all the miracles from the gospels and just taking Jesus's moral code saying that's the point of the gospel. That's what we can verify. You know, like, I I just don't think you need to resolve that paradox. You know, um, that's why I say it's something that's beyond. It's like more true. Than the mundane stuff those those miracle stories they're meant to be hard to imagine you know because see comprehend is known as deus if you if you could understand it the transfiguration like this is why the transfiguration happened and what exactly it means and what it looked like this is a picture of jesus refulgent in glory okay now you know that next thing it's meant it's meant to be just sat in for eternity you're gazing on the face of jesus is enough for you for literal ever you know there's no exhausting that mystery but at the same time I think what, what you're saying too is it is kind of the illative sense like um turning your brain off is not the right thing you know like th- there is a, a holy desire in just like knowing all the things reading the whole Bible reading the whole catechism those things that I, I was into big time in college was like oh there's answers to these questions of like what does it mean to be Christian and you don't just have it's not just Feel good and do the right thing. There's like real meat to these doctrines, like Barron's thing about yeah. the doctrinal church. And then you start you you read it all. You read the books. You go to f- six years of seminary and stuff. And you realize there's no there's no point at which I'm done. Like now I know all the things that the church teaches, um, because in two thousand years we haven't even figured out what we teach yet on everything. You know, there's there's too many mysteries, too much too much depth to it but there is, you start to have that illitive sense where the tiles of the mosaic start to take shape and then you can sit in prayer with one thing that you know, like Jesus walked on water and all these other things that you've learned and meditated on and ruminated on start to take a, a new shape and the knowledge is deeper. It's not simply, I know that, like I know two plus two is four. You, you know him, you know the person, Jesus, because you've lived with him for a while you know, um, does that make sense? Oh yeah. 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 And I think it, it also
2: points to the fact that we're, we're not Gnostics. Like Jesus, isn't just an idea. And no matter how much you learn, like that's not the end of the Christian life. The end of the Christian life is yeah, the doctrines and like Baron said, they buttress our belief and our faith and they kind of act like that riverbank that leads and guides the river but the riverbank isn't the end of the river it's just meant to move you and direct you um to to actually being with jesus and being with the father and being with the holy spirit and i i, I think of do y'all remember the end of till we have faces mm-hmm. Ooh, i might this might be a big spoiler i i don't know If you oh, assuming... have
0: haven't read it by now then <laughs> spoiler alert they deserve to be spoiled
2: (laughs) well it's it's even more the the talk that peter kreef gives gives on the end of till we have faces which to be honest didn't make any sense until i listened to (laughs) peter kreef's talk um but she you know the 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 character she writes this book orwell and she has all these accusations and, and questions essentially like why didn't you do x y or z and this is your fault and this is your fault and explain this and explain that to the gods. And, you know, part of the end of the story is it it comes around to her encountering the gods and she has this huge book and she's answering, she's asking all these questions and making all these big accusations and, and it, it eventually dwindles down to, to kind of nothing. And she's just repeating the same thing over and over. And it, it kind of turns out to be like a type of a babble. And the way that Kreef talks about that is, um, he refers to the book of Job, and you know all of his buddies, who are around Job as he's suffering and going through all these difficulties and hardships. They're trying to explain why what's happening is happening. They're they're trying to give answers to to certain things. And one of the big points that Kreef makes is, no matter how many times you come before the Lord and and ask a certain question, um, or at least seek like that knowledge in and of itself ju- just for the end in and of itself. Like it, it's, it's never actually going to satisfy, but that the answer that Orwell gets and the answer that Job gets is seeing the face of God. That that's the thing that, that actually does satisfy because behind every question, there's another question. And, but the the bigger point is like, that's not what we're looking for. What we're really looking for is, is to be, yeah in that deep union with god that face to face that eyes locked together and and like it's also adoration adoration to the mouth
0: of mouth (laughs) to mouth
2: (laughs) but it but it's also like the church it's also mad risky
0: mad risky
2: it's mad risky
0: wicked risky
2: like i trust you I trust in God's freedom in you, God's image in you and even your mind that all of these things can be shaped and that you can do like that, that you can actually pursue what you most deeply desire. That's, and here's everything that we can give you and provide and say what is and, and what's not. But ultimately I can't make you do anything. And so here's the guidelines and and now like become jesus and and then go be with jesus that's
0: i think that's the rub dude that's the that's the practical application of all of this is uh i at one time would have thought the problem with church and society right now is people don't know the faith you know like we didn't grow up learning the catechism the way they did back in the old days where everybody knew the answers and that's why you know people don't catholics don't believe in the eucharist because they haven't been told or told in a compelling way and we need better catechesis and and that'll solve a lot of the problems in the church and i've just come to the conclusion that like no matter how hard you try or how clear you can teach i did so like in the parish and rcia et cetera youth group it's it's just not enough it doesn't solve the deeper problem um of like people aren't grasped by this. I, what I what I didn't appreciate was that something had happened to me that made me want to know, you know, and it was a, a few things in my adolescence that made me hungry to know Jesus. And that's why I wanted to know everything that tr- the church taught and what was in the Bible and all that stuff. But I wouldn't have had the hunger or the desire to go seek it out. And I certainly wouldn't have had the spirit that would have integrated it all to like a, a truth of the capital T it would have just been a bunch of little truths uh, like, you know, religious studies. What does Catholicism teach? Um, it right. wouldn't have been a, a personal experience of of God if I didn't have that primary experience of knowing him through confession, through the Eucharist, through uh, my parents, you know, teaching me. And stuff yeah. like that. So the practical application, I think what you just said is it is mad risky to trust in two things. one. That the human heart is longing for truth and will know it when it hears it. You know, it, the sheep will will hear the shepherd's voice and know it's him. You know, the, we are we are hardwired for this, for for the love that is Jesus, um, the Trinity. That when it's revealed, when it when on His time, on His plan, He comes into someone's life, the heart will respond. There will be challenges, there'll be temptations. We're we're clouded by sin, but um this person i'm like trying to quote evangelize you know or trying to move the chains towards a, a a relationship of of discipleship i'm not in control of that i can't just like have the right answer and then win an argument and now you're a christian you know i have to stand back and let your heart resonate with whatever truth is being revealed sometimes through me sometimes god inspires me to say something but that i'm not the one doing it and the second thing you have to trust in is that the truth itself is compelling. You know, like it will it will speak for itself. Jesus will speak for himself. And I don't need to um explain him perfectly or or make all the cases for him. I don't need to do that job for him. You know, you just kind of like Ignatius says in the exercises, uh the purpose of the director is to as much as possible let the creator deal directly with the creature. You know, you're just a you're just a mediator or what you said once in on the podcast a marriage counselor you're trying to get them to talk to each other you know what i mean um i think that's that's what this for me has looked like in terms of like well, how do, how does it change me and how i do my job that's it um it's not just about having the you know your first few homilies out the gate you're like all right this is it i got to say all, everything i know and once everybody <laughs> hears it it's gonna be game over
1: this whole pound's <laughs> gonna be catholic all the things man just yeah. bring it story of salvation let's start at genesis yep. people okay
2: <laughs>
1: dang, dang. hey dude. i gotta go um i think we solved it though yeah. so thanks for that and That's uh so cool thanks yeah. for bringing that up man you're welcome. World answers provided. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm uh, like, I want to go read and pray with scripture right now. Wow. That's good. Wow. That is dude. good. That is, yeah, that is uh, pretty much I used you guys for my homily today and you <laughs> showed up. So thanks. Appreciate it a lot. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Love you too. Love Peace. you. Rip. Rip. Bye. 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 Ducks.
2: Good girl.